This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days, so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Welcome, everybody, back to the Pittsburgh Oddcast. My name is Andrew Lindbergh, and with me, as always, is the founder of Odd Pittsburgh, John Chelkowski. Well, hello, everybody. And uh, today, even though it's the middle of winter, <laughs> and not exactly baseball season. However, it is sports season, is it not? It's never really not sports season. Well, it's always pirate season if you're a fan. That's right. It's always pirate season. So who better to talk some baseball history, some baseball current, you know, uh, going on, and also uh, just sports in general, because we're going to talk about history of Pittsburgh sports. I'm talking going back to 1792. Ooh, who, who better than the kid? <laughs> I remember 1792. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we have Rosie Rosewell with us. <laughs> Open the window, Aunt Minnie. Right. Now, who's going to drop the uh, pan of nuts and bolts? <laughs> right. <That'll> be- <laughs> there you go. Uh, Greg Brown, play-by-play announcer, among many other hats for the Pittsburgh Pirates organization since 1994. Unbelievable. Now, do you know that you currently hold a world record? I think you might be referring to the national you baseball. You might be referring to the, the, I think the Trib did a story about this going back a couple years. The As losingest of, announcer, is that right? What you're no, oh. no. Well, I mean, it, well, it's up there, you know, with the, Apparently, the, the, the total. The, <laughs> However, I don't know about all time, though, is it? Of all, of all time, you are in the ranks for the top five longest play by play announcers in Major League Baseball history. Uh, that I did not know. And currently on gear to be the longest tenured. Oh, with one team? With one team. Wow. Longest active play-by-play announcer. Yeah. So I did how not about know that. that huh? I you, did not know you that. You joined the road. Longest but, tenured with one team? That's right. We'll have to fact check that, but we're pretty sure. I'll yeah. Think about that. Maybe yeah. You might be right. Someone's updated the Wikipedia page. So, some guys have bounced <laughs> around, so you might be right. Yeah. That's wild. Um, well, and, do you and, know who, well, not to not to make it about me, but let me make it about me. <laughs> right. Uh, do you know who who's the top yeah, tenured of yeah. all? Of all time? Look, look it up on his Wikipedia page. If you I wonder if I could think about who that. And might I'll tell be. you exactly who that person. I not just had I'm it up right here. At, uh, I got it. No, right. no, this is all about you, Greg. That's I know. Once again, it's here, all about me. Here we me. go. Is it by some of the Dick, Phillies? Dick Bremer is the the only person oh, who current. has longer. Yeah, for the He's Minnesota Twins. Minnesota Twins. But the only person with longer tenure. I'll have to t- talk to him about that, to, a- to ask him to retire soon. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, so, what you know, there is some other interesting world records which are still on the books for the Pirates. And uh, some I didn't even know. Well, I don't think a lot of people really know these kind of world records. There's only three of them. There's, there's three of them. Now, we've held world records, long, many world records, many different times within our history of the, as an organization. But the other two um, that... The, the Pirates still hold in 1912. Chief Wilson 
hit a Major League Baseball record of 36 triples in that season. <laughs> 36 triples? 36 triples. And that record still holds? Still holds to this day. Chief um, Wilson. The, in a 1925, the team collectively hit a major league record eight triples in a single game. Wow. Another record. <laughs> in addition to six no-hitters, which have been thrown in the history of the franchise, uh, is also one of the records. They also hold another one, North American professional sports of most consecutive losing seasons. Yeah, we all know that. Thanks, uh, let's move on. Let's go. Uh, hold on, hold on. Is it a nice day out? No, uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> right. what, uh, what's the weather look like tomorrow? <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> just as bad as the losing season. But, <laughs> see, when I when I talk about baseball and football history and Pittsburgh history, a lot of people don't seem to remember the Pittsburgh Steelers from 1933 when they were founded up until 1971. 37 years without a single postseason game that's incredible 37 years how about that now it wasn't until they hired chuck knoll in 1969 well, they made the playoffs a few times no they made well, the playoffs I, once. I guess that does come with an yeah. asterisk because what were playoffs like before the right there was only 70s, one right? they, they did have legitimate playoffs and and but not set super bowls you know yeah. as we know it but uh the playoff competitions you know were the postseason games which would be a championship game okay okay um considered in the nfl championship right. game uh only one other time, and that's when we were technically called the Steagles. Oh. Yeah, when we joined up with the Philadelphia Eagles wow. and to become the the Steagles. We also wow. the next year uh, joined up with the Chicago Cardinals to become oh. the Card Pits. Yeah, How about that. But and, that 1945, the World War II, when most gosh, people were gone, yes, the best yes. players were off fighting oh more. My gosh, that's the only time we ever hit a postseason game. Wow. So well, to think that people are complaining about 20 seasons of baseball—that's nothing. 37. Yeah. 37. Now, granted, 37. Know, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, um, that that's pretty uh, big, Jeez. long stretch of time that a lot of people don't realize. Funny thing about Chuck Knoll, right? And uh, he only played for one single football team ever his entire adult life. And that was for his home team, Cleveland Browns. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then he came here to Pittsburgh. I mean, that, and that was his legacy. Isn't that something else? Well, I did not realize. That's some great trivia. Yeah. Wow. We had 13 other coaches prior to him as well. My God. And only three cents. Three cents. Yeah. How about that? And <laughs> is that crazy? Greg, uh, we learned a lot about you in the first two, uh, well, it was an extended episode, so we had to break it up into two. But have you ever called a no-hitter? I, I can't remember. Uh, Homer the... Bailey. Homer Bailey. Okay. PNC Park. Wow. Was that recently? That was like three, maybe four years I ago. I remember that because I wanted the Pirates to get a the end hit. of the year. Everybody wanted the Reds were in town. Everybody wanted to see the no hitter, and I said no. I don't want the Pirates to get no hit. I don't care if it's historic or not. But. I remember uh, also Max Scherzer uh, had a. Uh, did he have the no hitter too as well? I believe against a, a perfect game ruined because was it Marte, the, the former pirate right, who yeah. stuck his uh, elbow out? I think you're right. Yeah, and then of no, course it, was it Marte or Tabata? Anyway, yeah. But then you also called the '97. Freak show, no Well, better. I called that back that then. We were doing uh, back then. We didn't do every game on TV like we would do almost every game on television. Now, back then, we split the game up. Uh, I think it was three, three, three. So I did the middle three innings. Lanny oh, did the first right. three and the last four. So he called the last. He called up Mark Smith home run, which is one of the great calls. Uh, I think if you asked Lanny, he would probably agree that uh, that that was j- just so concise and so well done. And, you know. No hitter, home run. 
you got it all. Pirates win. So yeah. well, really and cool. that game was such a. I mean, that was needed. Classic. And yeah. Thank God for that '97 team because yeah. I think I went to 14 home games, which I think I said in the last podcast, pretending to be 14 when I was really 15. Getting in for a dollar, oh, nice. taking cool. the half yeah. bus down, and be like, "I'm 14." That's <laughs> so great, right? And uh, just sitting there with my cousins or whoever would come, and just yeah, it was that was a great year. That oh, was that was the shot year. in the arm. We yeah. it was like the one in the middle mm-hmm. that people talked about between '92 and 2013. But, yeah, that was uh, people got really uh, upset. I, th- I don't know if we talked about this in the other podcast, so stop me immediately. No, please, no, no, please, please, I don't want to repeat it. About how the freak show came to be. No, 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 we, no, we didn't hear that. that yeah. So, uh, Bob Walk and I were on doing a game in Montreal, and uh, I think it was Kevin Young at the plate now, who's now joining us in the broadcast booth this year. And the bases were loaded, and some crazy things had been happening. And somehow we got on the discussion during the game about freaky things happening. And many years ago when I was a kid, uh, a, a, a buddy and I went to see a, a Washington then Bullets game in Cleveland, I believe. And Manute Bull, do you remember that name? Yeah. He was, yeah. Playing he was for, I believe, the Washington gigantic. Yeah. I don't know how t- tall he was. It was crazy. And uh, after the game, somehow we got down in front of the locker room and we had a picture taken with him. And my buddy kept yelling, it's a freak show. <laughs> And in the back of my mind, as Bob and I were talking about that, I, I couldn't help but think about my buddy saying that. And Bob said, could you imagine if Kevin Young hits a grand slam here? Wouldn't that be freaky? And sure enough, you know, like Bob predicting stuff all the time, <laughs> bang, grand slam. And I said, it's a freak show. And it's a freak show. And didn't think much of it until w- w- that was a, uh, I want to say it was like a Wednesday night game. Got home to Pittsburgh. I'm unpacking in my house at about 2 in the morning. And Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick were doing SportsCenter that morning. Maybe it was a repeat by then, by the time I'm watching it. And, you know, I'm I'm paying little attention. I've got got it on. But as I'm unpacking, SportsCenter starts, you know, with that da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Right. Da-da-da-da-da right. With my call. Nice. And... It's a freak show. And I'm going like, I stopped, like, what in the world is that about? And Oberman, poking fun at me and that call, says, Welcome to the freak show edition of Sports Center. <laughs> and for like the next hour, he would kind of, again, it was meant to right. rip me. Jeez. But it was a PT Barnum that said, Just spell my name right. <laughs> right. And as it turned out, that play got the momentum going. And and as the days and then weeks went on, crazy stuff started to happen to this team. And um, the guy that was running the uh, entertainment at River Stadium started playing the song La Freak. I think it was by La Chic. La Chic by uh, La. I think it was La Freak by Chic. Anyway, (laughs) it was a disco song. Right. And um, so when when crazy things would happen, they played that, and it just and and I was down in the uh, in the clubhouse. Uh, getting ready for post-game interviews. Back then, I, I, I did, the, again, as I said, the last three innings, I didn't do the play-by-play. So I was getting ready to do post-game interviews with the players. And I was down there at least one time in the side room where the laundry was, getting the mic set up and everything. And the 
game was on in the clubhouse, and the players that were out of the game by then were watching, and they started chanting as we were making a comeback, freak show, freak show. And it, it was just one of those things so spontaneous. And and the Post-Gazette did a story about it as time went on because Pirates started to market it. And a lot of people, there was pushback because they thought it was offensive. <laughs> and I'll never forget Mike Gordon. I'll never forget Mike, a great guy who still, I believe, runs our uh, – website on for pirates.com he was quoted as a representative of the team and he said who are we offending here bearded ladies <laughs> and yeah, a great call like who are you offending and so uh that was how the freak show came to be in 1997 that's great yeah. I, I, yeah. because a lot of the i mean we talked about this last time but a lot of the things that have become synonymous with the Pirates, Cannonball come and raise a Jolly Roger, Yeah, you know, oh, are oh, from you. And, and that's – Well, it's fun. I mean, yeah, from me, Bob has, has had a big role in Bob Walk. And spontaneity, not scripted. You know, that's the thing. When things happen over uh, over the course of a, of a baseball season, any, any sports team, whatever it is, it's, it's – uh, Again, it's sponta- spontaneity. That- and it's also collaborative. Right. It's, it's you true. and Bob. That's, that's and- right. That's right. Other so I know you're, you're too humble to take credit for those things. But, I mean. Well, Bob reminds me constantly that, I'm, he said, you know, I've heard, uh, heard a podcast or I heard yeah, an interview. Right. And, you know, it was I. I was the one that, that got. <laughs> yeah, I know, Bob. I give you credit when I can. Right. So. Well, speaking of raising the Jolly Roger. And I think I said, said this to you last time uh, we talked. Maybe I even sent you the photo. But I, I want to I give you the photo anyways. But I found an actual photo from 1902. 1902. Honest Wagner and the Pirates raising the Jolly Oh, my Rogers. gosh. No way. <laughs> now, they're raising – we don't see the flag that's being hoisted, but let's assume it is the Jolly Roger. Correct. And I'm going to get an artist to – because I want to put this in our broadcast booth. And I'm going to have somebody draw a real Jolly Roger. That's, that's great, John. You know? Thank you. That is really cool. In fact, these are all for you. These are all – Oh, my gosh. This is from – so believe it or not, and I don't know why, uh, it, part of it has to do with the unavailability of certain photographs because, as you know, collectibles, um, you, you it, they end up in a private auction somewhere yeah. or on eBay or whatever, you know, and they just kind of disappear. So they're not really in some kind of institution. So the Pittsburgh Pirates organization themselves and the Heinz History Center or any of the, uh, these other kind of, even the Baseball Hall of Fame, does not have a chronological record of photographs of every single year oh, that the Pirates ever existed. But what I'm showing you is, through my research, the Chronicle, of, starting in 1882. Oh, my gosh. And, and I only went up to 1903 because, like, after 1903, there's a lot of common ones. But these are just some, like, really, wow. really early, early photos of the Pittsburgh Alleghenies. Oh, my uh, gosh. Bef- prior to so even cool. becoming the Pirates. So we will talk about how they got the name the Pirates because I, I don't, I don't no, think we. I, I, agree. I don't think we publicize that enough. I agree with you. I think that's so cool. But and my gosh, all you need to do is give us one of those jackets that you showed us in the booth last time with the <laughs> oh, old the, right. uh, the old throwback in the seventies of Monday night baseball. Monday night, yeah, yeah, Monday night, night baseball. There you go. Yeah, oh yeah, my exactly. Gosh. Well, you know, baseball didn't just begin here in eighteen eighty two or eighteen ninety. You know, eighteen ninety one or any other time period. Uh, that is considered uh, 1887, like they say. But um, it all the way since baseball was a thing, people have been playing it here in Pittsburgh. That's incredible. I mean, this article here from the Pittsburgh Daily Post, June 14th, 1860. Gosh. A match game of baseball will be played in the West Commons, Allegheny City, right? Then you have 
baseball clubs popping up from all over the city and and competing uh amateur game, amateur sports but then eventually being paid um but let's get to the story about how the pirates got their name do you know a little bit about a little bit about the players league and the, uh, right, uh, right and, yeah, and exactly. uh, uh, i mean the shortened version is uh, that uh, when they uh, it, it folded mm-hmm. and the players are su- supposed to go back to their original teams um one player uh, ended up supposed to go back to philadelphia Right, ended up right. going to Pittsburgh, and the rest of the league claiming the Pirates stole him or pirated him, and the Pirates. That was being nice, because in the papers. Oh, what, how they ripped the Pirates? You mean? Yeah, it was or not the, so friendly. Allegations? Pirates is the nicest terminology they used to describe what we did to the Philadelphia Athletics. So we could have been the Pittsburgh jackasses. Is what you're saying. <laughs> they actually called us the Pittsburgh Rapers. No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. That wouldn't have stuck. Yeah, that, that wouldn't have stuck. But, uh, no, the other jackasses would have done Yeah, that would have yeah, been yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Pittsburgh Jagoffs, oh even. Oh, my gosh, know? yes. A week later is when they, they they put the terminology of pirate in the paper, oh and that's gosh. this. This is the very first appearance of the baseball team being and, called the and Pirates. Oh, be darned. And look how they did it, how they worded it. It's from the New York world. <laughs> Lewis Beerbauer, of course. And that is that Connie Mack? Yeah. There was three people. It was Beer Bauer so. and Mac. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, how about that? Oh, so so it was not just Beer Bauer. Right. It was the three multiple play, including Connie Mac. Now that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> yeah. so well, I wonder why Beer Bauer got credit for being pirated. He Can was you... a, like this legendary figure, you know, from and one of the best players in baseball at the time in 1890. Can of you read that first, John? Oh yeah. Or Greg, whoever. That's... When Jay Palmer O'Neill of the Pittsburgh, who caught Beer Bauer and Mac. Came out of Parlor F. Somebody saying, "It is, it is a glorious thing to be to be a, the Pirate King." <laughs> Isn't that great? And that's the first mention the of the first pirates. mention of the Pirates. The second mention is from March twenty third, eighteen ninety one. Okay, Man. verily the way of the transgressor is heard, and the tyrannical baseball league is gradually awakening to the realization of this fact. The Pittsburgh club has sunk thousands of dollars into bribes that have been confiscated by players who were tempted. And now the baseball public of the once smoky city has arisen as one man and denounced Jay Palmer O'Neill for bouncing the pride of Pittsburgh, gentle James Galvin. See, wow. and people say the Pirates don't spend money. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is 1891, right? Yeah. Now, how about how about this, though? And now the baseball public of the once smoky city. Mm-hmm. In 1891, little did they know. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> wow. But yeah, we were. Uh, That's cool. It really was. I mean, people don't realize that that Bierbauer and Connie Mack, of course, you know, the stadium D name yeah. after him, and just his legend. Yeah. Uh, as a player, coach, uh, for the Pirates, but um, Bierbauer was the best there was. I think he played like third base or something like that, and uh, he was Canadian, and uh, he lived in the middle of Lake Erie on a small island. Come on. And Jay Palmer O'Neill went there during the winter of 1890. <laughs> And what? had to march out onto the ice into no this like way. little log cabin shack that he kept there to fish and stuff like that. Oh my! And try to gosh. convince him to come to Pittsburgh during that winter season. So he lived on on the water. So he really was a pirate, <laughs> literally. Louis yeah, Beerbar. I guess you could say so. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but is that, that crazy? Is tremendous. That, like so, there's. I thought don't... Jason Bay was our first Canadian. Yeah, really. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. How about that? It's just crazy how that. Uh, that is so neat. And that terminology just really wasn't widely. The origin of it was the one that you've mentioned, you know, the, the kind of the idea, you know, uh, of them stealing the players, of course, which is the how we got the tyrannical terminology. But to see it in print is another thing. And to say, like, well, that's it. That's the wow. real deal. This is the first 
Man. time they even kind of vaguely mentioned. Well, do we even know what year that they officially became the Pirates? 1891. That oh, okay. season, they, they, they went as far as they could care less what Philadelphia or anybody else thought of us. And, in fact, we're, we, we so much don't care. We're going to rename our team. Well, to really the stick Pirates. it to them, we'll right. sh- yeah, we'll call ourselves oh, the Pirates. That's beautiful. That's exactly what yeah. we did. Yeah, it's still Philly and, today. Yeah, yeah, we turned out to be great. I mean, we were the best teams there was in the early baseball league, yeah. the dead ball era. You know, and we won the pennant in 1901, 1902, 1903. You know, we won the well, we didn't win the first World Series, but we're in it. We win it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just incredible that early baseball history prior to 1910, let's say, or even like 1925, let's say, and down. Uh, is absolutely incredible and fascinating. I don't think anyone's even really gathered the whole picture of like with the real story about how this baseball league that's playing in the 1860s kind of somehow formed into this major league team, you know, which has multiple world records. So and, what, uh, what you're saying is that the the Pirates that we know them now started before 1887. I mean, I understand theory, that 1887 yeah. is when they joined the National League, so right. that. Has, there has to be a marker. 1882 is technically the, the year that they, they, they became like the Pittsburgh Alleghenies. Professional but, kind of. Right, right? professional. Legit. Ball. But, but they were they playing ch- in like 1870s, 1860s. Yeah. Okay. There was multiple league-type teams. Uh, the Pittsburgh Xanthas, for example. You know, these like alternate teams. Of course, a lot of people don't even realize there was other leagues. People think it was just the American League or the National right, League. Right, right. There was the Players League. There was the... Um, Federal League. Yeah, the Federal League where we had the Pittsburgh Rebels. Yeah. Then we have the Pittsburgh Stogies, the Pittsburgh yes. Burgers. I was going to say the Pittsburgh you know? Cigars. I forgot what their name <laughs> yeah. was. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, the Burgers is cool because they did spell it with an H. Kind of like so that. I was happy with Kinda that. Kind of like that one. <laughs> you know? That would be a great alternate uniform yes. for a uh, you know, yeah. that's an Pittsburgh idea. Stogies, uh, yeah. Some teams have done that in the past, but there's an idea Yeah. for the marketing. Like, I know a that. guy who recreates old-time baseball. He has an old-time baseball league where they even play by the 19th century Baseball I've rules, heard about that. In fact, I, I, that, I saw one. Guy. I think we were in New York last year, and we saw somebody do. Uh, it must be the guy that runs that. Right. They they played like two innings of that old old style baseball. But how cool would that be for about yeah. five or six games to wear the old unis oh, yeah. of the real old, like the Burgers or the whatever yeah. they. Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh Rebels, all those the Rebels. All those different things. That would be cool. One of my favorite gimmicks that the Pirates did in the uh, early two thousands was whenever they celebrated in twenty. 2003 the first world series and they shut everything oh, off oh yeah yep and just had like the crier with the the, oh, yeah. the megaphone and everything it was it was so cool to hear it on the radio i wasn't there for it but just to hear it some guy in the background like now coming out with a and, megaphone just yeah. from each dugout i think they had tim tobacco the public address announcer actually just with a megaphone down on the dugout wow and going and talking through a megaphone now batting <laughs> you know Josh Harrison, whoever it was. Right. Well, did you know? Have you ever seen that photo from the, the 1925 World Series here in Pittsburgh? They uh, how people got word of the game. If you weren't there in Oakland to see it, you know, at Forbes Field, because uh, by that time we were playing at Forbes Field, uh, you'd go down to the county courthouse, you know, the city county building downtown. They'd have a big chalkboard <laughs> where they'd have people like running the newspaper offices to get like the the ticker, the, the ticker exactly, and then run back and write the score then with a big megaphone and there's a photo of a guy Come with on. the big megaphone with the score with the box score oh for the 1925 gosh. world series how about that? it's like in the fourth inning or something oh my god thousands of people lined up on uh, ross street and grant street downtown oh, you can't even tell there's, i mean there's so many hats you know <laughs> Jeez, just take a look at the, the chalkboard yeah it, oh it's, it's incredible those things Man. still exist and we just had um well we had gloria Ferruzin on 
she just retired. She did. She yeah. had her own day in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And she was talking about women's suffrage in Pittsburgh and how the way they were able to kind of get That's right. uh, votes for women was they volunteered to go back and forth between the paper and, like, you know, the area where they would denounce the, the baseball score. But in between, they would talk about how important it was that the women should have the right to vote. Yeah. But they knew that if they gave the score, oh. they would be able to talk to a ton of people. Grab the attention. Right. And be like, hey, by the way, the Pirates are winning 5-9. to nine. Hey, <laughs> uh, you know the pi- <laughs> Hi, you know we're people and we should be able to vote? Right. <laughs> anyway. Wow. That yeah. is so neat. You know, it, it's just incredible. Oh like uh, Little stories like that just kind of get lost to time. Oh. Um, you know, and um, – Man. It's so fascinating. I mean, I, I when you, when you started researching early baseball history, you come into stories about like Pud Galvin, oh, yeah. or you know these kind of like other figures or uh, Burley Grimes. Well, who are these people? Burley Grimes, right, was the last person legally allowed by Major League Baseball to throw a spitball. So now, if you don't know what a spitball is, uh, it's in the traditional sense, if you could throw a good enough fastball, you know, a perfect fastball, right, and if you added a little spit to yep. that, right. You throw that same fastball, and all of a sudden it does things that you wouldn't imagine. It goes up, down, you know, side, who knows what's happening to the ball. It's almost impossible. So much movement on it. It's, Especially it, in a dead ball era, yes, you know? Yes, yes. And Burley Grimes somehow was able to convince the, the higher-ups to let him continue until he retired throwing this illegal spitball. Now, you've mentioned this a few times, and I apologize. The dead ball era. Yeah, okay, yeah. Could you explain what that so, is? So, when people think about... Baseball today, and you know, when you think back 100 years or 150 years, you know, how do they play it then? It wasn't played with the same – you had a bat, you had a ball, but the materials that the things were actually made out of, especially the ball, uh, was different. And, and a dead ball means that you could hit that thing with Babe Ruth power, and it's not going to go out of the outfield. It's just going to be more of an infield kind of game. You know, It was really geared towards that. That's why Honest Wagner is still the National League – uh, stolen base uh, record holder uh, on the on the uh, American League is Ty Cobb hey, to uh, this day and uh, for stolen wait, for stolen home runs stolen home stolen runs. home runs okay. and I think the actual record is something like forty three stolen home runs stolen <laughs> home runs it's insane how about was that was the uh, home run Baker uh, led the league during the dead ball area with like what a dozen or something yeah home runs I mean think about that so yeah. like you would the, steal the bases so it was all an infield game it was it was not really meant for like power hitters, yeah. well, and that's why they know. have so many inside the park home runs. That's what the home, yeah. you know. Uh, or you see things like you you know, stolen bases, thirty triples, yeah, yeah, yeah crazy like triples, yeah. yeah. Well, Greg, that's what kind of the the baseball. It's it's cyclical. Everything all there's a there's a hitting era, there's a pitching era. It it all comes back. It all you know happens again. And you know, this past year, it was all about the baseball again. Uh, I think I I did a story for the fan that it turned out that the the seams were maybe a little bit too high or something like that, like just minimal stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the baseball's flying out of the park all season. I mean, you noticed that trend, right? I I guess I really wasn't convinced of it until I saw the the stats. And uh, and now they've done the studies. And and, uh, I guess the, the question was, was it done intentionally? By baseball, and, and no proof of that, and it, it would be hard to do, I, I think. How can anybody know that? Like, no, I, I mean, you have to be a complete genius. You have to be like right. Stephen Hawking yeah, level. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think you know, they're, they're, they're looking for ways, I guess, to correct that because they, mm-hmm. they notice some deficiency uh, in the, the makeup of the ball. But over the years, 
uh, to me, that's what, again, makes baseball so great. It's yeah. the inconsistencies. It's the the debates. It's right. it's even the Burley Grimes or the Jose Altuves <laughs> who find that extra edge. Right. The Gaylord Perrys who had the the brill cream, the the, the yeah. greasy hair, and he would uh, go to his, uh, you know, forefingers uh, toward his, his uh, sideburns all the time. But uh, the Ty Cobbs, I mean, that, that the, the stories, right. that is baseball. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this Houston Astros thing is kind of like the big controversy. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, these controversies continue, and, and it's not like it's new. The Houston Astros, it's not it's not new. It's just a different way to do it. I mean, they're <laughs> banging right. on garbage cans. That seems like a pretty rudimentary way like to cheat. They would have done 100 years ago. Well, I don't know how know. the umpires didn't see it <laughs> well, or hear it. A couple things. First, we'll go back to the, the McDowell. Jack McDowell, the pitcher then for the White Sox, recently tweeted, I guess, mm-hmm. that they were basically cheating when he was with the White Sox. Tony DeRusso was the manager, and apparently he had some device in the manager's office that someone would hit if it was a fastball and a uh, signage in left field would light up mm-hmm. so that the White Sox batter would know that a fastball was coming. So McDowell's saying, um, going back to the story about LaRusa, a couple buddies of, of mine in the tele- television industry said, uh-oh, lock the booth. And that was That's probably my favorite story. Uh, <laughs> because I, LaRusa I, I stormed the booth. And I was going to actually tweet that out. <laughs> right. I was going to say, Jack, lock your booth. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But then uh, – uh, If you could just – I'm sorry. For the people that don't know, uh, Greg uh, – I don't even know how long ago this was, but – Probably about four years ago. But um, – We Ms. were playing the Diamondbacks. And LaRusa La- came barging La Russa in. LaRusa was the yeah. assistant to the president or whatever. Uh, and I was on the television side with Steve Blass, and uh, Pirates were really roughing up Shelby Miller, who was a former Cardinal – and whom I think LaRusa probably had a lot to do with acquiring. Uh, and LaRusa was, unbeknownst to me at the time, was traveling with the club. And uh, Steve knew it. I didn't. But as the game was going on, getting out of hand, again, the Pirates were winning big. And uh, we brought in this Archimedes Caminero who could throw the ball 102 miles an hour but didn't know where it was going. Mm-hmm. He hit one guy uh, you know, up around the neck. Two batters later, I think he hit a guy on the helmet, and I said something like, you know, be ready, Pirates, because if you know Tony La Russa, who was the Cardinal manager, and uh, I did an extensive interview with Tony uh, after a book came out about uh, three days in August, I think it was called, and, and one of the chapters he talked about uh, the struggle at night that he would have after a ball game if one of his players was hit to determine whether – he should seek retribution. And the toughest thing as a manager for him was to make that decision to tell a guy, hey, you got to go get get a guy tomorrow. Um, so I was kind of describing this, and I said, so it's almost regardless of whether this was intentional or not, this is two times now, a guy get hit, Pirates are going to get hit. Something to that effect. And I said, when I said Tony LaRussa, Steve says, who's here today in the building? <laughs> and all of a sudden, the director, as as a good director does, gets a shot of the visiting GM booth, which is on our level in the press box, uh, of LaRusa sitting there. Again, didn't think much of it. Mm-hmm. And then we go to a commercial break. And uh, during commercial breaks on TV, you're kind of looking at your scorecard. You're looking to see who's up. You're in conversation with the producer who tells you, okay, when we come back, we need a live read. 
upcoming Penguin promo. There's a Pirate promo. Hey, when I come back, I want to replay that, this or that. And as I'm doing that, looking down, I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I look up, and standing next to me, yelling at me, is Tony La Russa. <laughs> it was so surreal. Like, it's the middle of a ball game. Here's La Russa. I take off my headset, and he's going on and on about this and that. Blah, 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 blah. And now it, I, I realize, in, a, in short order, the cameras are going to be, even if we're not on the air, all the cameramen are going to be shooting this and recording it, and it's going to get out. Mm-hmm. So I kind of ushered LaRusa behind the curtain, the Root Sports or AT&T Sportsnet curtain that we have up there the whole game, so that we were out of uh, anybody's eyesight. And so we walked back there, and I said, what are you talking about? I'm sick and tired of you ripping my ball club when you don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. And he's going on and on. I said, boy, this is unbelievable. I said, I am your biggest defender in this town. The last guy on earth you should be yelling at is me. Much to my chagrin, people don't like the fact that I've defended you over the years. And and you don't even know what I said. What did I say? And he tried to repeat it. And I know it was Steve that he's quoting Steve, not me. But I didn't throw Steve under the bus. Steve, by the way, he's so he he straddles the fence better than any human being I've ever met in my life. Uh, as Larusa was yelling at me, Steve pretended he had lost like his pencil underneath the desk. No sign of Steve. So, <laughs> so now here Larusa is yelling at me. Now our stage manager is grabbing me. Say, we're back on the air. We're back on the air. And I'm kind of finishing up my, you know, I'm, I'm getting my Irish up now. I'm not right, really right. starting to get mad because I'm realizing when storming the booth and me, a strong defender. And as I say this, as I'm kind of yelling back at him, he is starting to realize that either he's gotten it wrong, he, he he's softened up because he knows that I have defended him over the years, and at any rate, he... he reaches out to shake my hand and said something like was to give me some scoop by this time now i'm back in the booth i'm being dragged back because we're on the air (laughs) and so we go through this whole thing and now the game ends i go into my office and our vice president comes in uh to our broadcaster office and calls the producer in and he says okay guys how do you want to handle this and he says that to me. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, are we going to take away this guy's credentials? What are we going to do? And I said, if you're asking me, I'd like us to do nothing. He goes, what do you mean? I said, because I don't want this to be about me. We want a big game here tonight. I guarantee you Larusa was really upset about Miller. getting, And he just took his frustrations out. Right, right. And in a warped way, I liked it. <laughs> I liked oh, it. Oh, yeah, why not? Yeah. Because in this day and age where we're so politically correct, mm-hmm. normally it would be LaRusa La calling an assistant to call an assistant to say, hey, get word to somebody, the producer. Mm-hmm. He went directly to me. Now, his timing was terrible. That would be <laughs> right. like me coming in the middle of a ball game, walking onto the bench when he was managing, saying, why'd you pinch hit for this guy? <laughs> so got done. I said, let's do nothing. And he goes, okay, well, uh, he's going to – uh, we're going to seek a, an apology at least. I said, nah, let's just see how it plays out. Right. So, so I said, let's cooler heads will prevail. I'm sure he'll look for me tomorrow and apologize. Let's just let it be. I just don't want anybody to know about it. Hopefully nobody saw it. Well, that night, unbeknownst to me, someone from the Arizona newspaper 
had come up to our radio booth and sought out our broadcasting director and said, is Greg Brown around? Mm -hmm. And he goes, why? He goes, because can you confirm that Larusa stormed the booth tonight earlier? And he goes, you'll have to talk to Greg. I don't know where he is. Guy didn't come to me. That next morning, I got some Twitter stuff, and I looked, and sure enough, the Arizona Republic does this big story in their sports section about Larusa storming the booth. Mm -hmm. And in the paper, in the story, he is quoted as saying, I had to go correct an untruth. I'm tired of people not to, and now I'm really mad. I'm going, are you kidding me? I never said one thing wrong. So now I'm going on the, we had a day game the next day. And I called the, the, our VP and I said, do you care if I, he goes, do what you got to do. So I tweeted something out about, I said nothing wrong. And I got with our producer and our director and we met and they gave me a half an inning and it was like uh, the impeachment proceedings. I was like uh, one of these attorneys. I was, I went, I, I got my quote. I went back and listened to it. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down, and uh, for half an inning, I told the story how he was wrong, and um, uh, there were no untruths being told. And and I want to just say that you can find that on YouTube, <laughs> and it is very, it, it's great because he's explaining what happened while you're calling the action. <laughs> I've never gone back I, to look at that, but that's I that's love funny. how you are just able to just go, you know, and this is, you know, how I feel about it. And there's a 3-2 pitch, okay, and it's a foul ball. Anyway, <laughs> what I was... <laughs> As he stormed the booth. So <laughs> right. that's the, uh, the whole LaRusa uh, background. And then now, because I got so long-winded there, I forgot the second part of the Houston the, thing. Yeah, the Jack McDowell. Yeah, so that was McDowell. So McDowell tweeted out that, again, that the White Sox, uh, apparently, in his... This is his words that that they were cheating back then, and Larusa was the manager. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, it's not an uncommon thing. You know, obviously from baseball history, you see, there's a resolution to this. Here's my thought, mm-hmm. and I think this is where baseball seems to step in and police things that's not necessary. I do believe that usually the players themselves work things out. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that when they try to do it on their own. Baseball steps in, I think, unnecessarily. So, I could envision A.J. Burnett down in Houston, and he's pitching, and he starts hearing the trash can. And so, don't tell me that these pitchers down there. In fact, the, you go on YouTube, you can see 20 minutes of it. In fact, I wasn't convinced of it, mm-hmm. that it was even happening until I went back and saw this YouTube video, and it shows different points in time in, in the 2017 season. At one point... There are not as many people in Houston, not as many fans, and the announcers pause long enough to hear it very clearly. And uh, the Blue Jays, maybe, I think it is, uh, mm-hmm. Danny Farquhar is pitching for the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this, John, or not, mm-hmm. but you could hear it very clearly a couple of times, and finally he steps off the pitching rubber and calls out the catcher. Wow. And says something like, you know, you could see him yeah, yeah. about the words that they've, they've got our signs, change them up. Well, so, again, I could envision A.J. Burnett being Danny Farquhar or a pitcher down. And the pitcher and the catcher certainly know that they've got the signs because every time I'm pitching about to deliver a fastball, that trash can beat. So, right. he between innings, he walks over to their dugout and says, hey, guys, tells the whole dugout, just so you know, every time I hear that trash can sound, mm-hmm. that's my signal to hit the batter Right in the back, right between the numbers, right, and and just you know, very clear about it. Goes back to the mound, and 
if indeed they try it again and he hits the guy in the back, mm-hmm. that'll end it because right. that batter goes, hey, no more of this, right. man. I don't need that. Right. So, and I don't want anybody getting hurt. Right. And it's it's over. So, but again, because baseball seems to be stepping in, I think players are afa- afraid almost to do that because of what the uh, re- repercussions will be by Major League Baseball. Right. But you, you got to think back to like, you know, what does it mean to play the game? Do you want to play it an honorable game? Right. You know, and, and if so, you know, like, how, what are you going to do? What kind of steps are, are you going to take? Well, I guess I, I would say that it, you know? a, a, yeah. you're right. If you're not going to play it honorably, in the in the opposing team's mind, they mm-hmm. will straighten it out. Right. It's like right. the uh, the neighborhood play. Like when back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, what, 10 years ago, uh, <laughs> certainly 20 years ago, a guy would slide in really hard. Mm-hmm. And if the middle infielder thought that the runner was – being too aggressive and maybe going beyond what is uh, commonly considered uh, sportsmanship, uh, he would throw the ball from a sidearm waist-high position Mm -hmm. right at the runner's head. (laughs) And the guy would either get hit or Mm -hmm. he'd duck away. And that's a warning. Right. No more doing that. And so, again, it's I don't know why uh, it's gotten to this point where I think it's because, John, that the – and Andy, that uh, they don't want anybody hurt anymore. Yeah. I, I think that's I, par- a big part of it. It's one of the reasons why I like hockey. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, let's hope it never gets to this point. But right, Although know, there aren't as many fights in hockey as there were 20 years that's ago. That's true. That's true. But if you have a problem or there's some kind of call, you just basically settle it on the ice. And uh, same thing with football. I mean, football's gone like from the Steel Curtain and Jack Lambert you know, to crushing, literally crushing his opponents. To, that's true. You know, you you tap him on the shoulder. Now you're gonna get some kind of penalty. That's or exactly something. right. And it's so it's it's. Now I can the, understand the reason why. You know, of course nobody wants to get hurt. You know, but in but circumstances to me, that's like almost, it's, to it's, it's it. almost part of professional sports yeah, that right. the risk. Right. That's why they play it. That's why they make the big money. That's right. Uh, they're not in a bubble, mm-hmm. but they're willing to do. They're willing to risk it. And when all is said and done, how many people really get truly get really right. badly maimed you know right, what i mean right. so yeah. um it it's uh it it i think it's too bad that that it's gotten to that point it is it is so um before we go into some uh, pittsburgh baseball trivia I, I know we want to talk about steve blass you know and i remember why, like cuz we we met actually before his last game it was um, a, it was in the middle of the season yeah it was in the middle of the season mm-hmm. when we when we first uh did our first interview and I remember paying more attention, you know, uh, uh, and that game especially, you know, and seeing it, man. And it was just like, well, the final, Newman. incredible. Yeah, yeah the, I mean, the, the final weekend I thought was just insane. absolutely, uh, you couldn't have scripted it out any better. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and in a weird way, as bad as the Pirates' second half was, it helped in that we were able to honor Steve. Because right. if you're in the middle of a pennant race, you don't talk much about Steve. Right. And so I guess that's, uh, you know, uh, the, the the good part about not, not playing well is that we were able to properly honor him. And everything worked out. You know, we, we uh, the Friday night was the final telecast on AT&T Sportsnet. Saturday was the pregame ceremony where he was given the, the night off. Uh, and then Sunday, the final game on radio, his final broadcast. But the Friday night game, of course, on TV, Kevin Newman hits the walk-off home run. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't, again, couldn't script it any better. Saturday, even though the rains came, just as we were announcing Steve to throw the first 
of ceremonial first pitch to his grandson. That was pretty cool because the, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the, the telecast of it, but mm-hmm. they were able to capture this slow-mo look of the raindrop falling down and Steve on the mound looking up with his arms up in the air with a big smile, mm-hmm. which just, I thought, in a real short order, personified Steve. Uh, and his personality. You know, it's raining, but he's out there just having the greatest time. It's baseball, and he's looking up at the sky. And, and what a great night it was for him. And then Sunday, uh, what the players did. I will never forget Trevor Williams and Adam Frazier and Kevin Newman, how they did, what the, 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 how they honored him mm-hmm. when they're ready to go out. And, and I saw Trevor that morning. I had gotten wind that he was thinking of doing something for Steve. And he, he said, hey, did Steve and any... Uh, special idiosyncrasies. And I mentioned that he kind of tapped. He, when he went into a wind-up, he, he did kind of a double tap of his, his right leg um, and, he, and his wide kind of follow-through. And uh, I said, but I, I, I don't think he should try to mimic that. He goes, I've got just a, a tip of the cap in mind. So it was really, really cool, and Steve was so touched. Kevin Newman seeking him out mm-hmm. before the game on Sunday to give him this autographed bat of the game-winning home, uh, of the, the bat that won the game for him on Friday, touched Steve beyond belief. And then again, what the players did. And after the God Bless America and the players are all out, uh, they all doffed their caps, both the, the Pirates and the Reds. Just so cool. How hard was that for him? I know I was listening. Yeah, same. I was at my other job. I make pizzas. and uh, Nice. <laughs> come by any time. Uh, and... Uh, the thing I was listening and just how did you keep it together? Because I know it was probably emotional for you, but I know Steve, like you just you just basically gave him a pass. You just were like, yeah, just collect yourself because I'm waiting to hear what he's gonna say. Yeah. But he was after Trevor did that 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 tip of the cap. Yeah, and he was just broken up and staring at him. Yeah, he was really really broke a couple of times. He was broken up. Um, Friday night on the telecast during, doing the uh, the the. Uh, talk back with uh, Stan and Rob, I believe it was, or Michael McHenry. He started to choke up for the really the first time. And then uh, there were occasions over the next couple games. And then after when Trevor did that, it was, what's interesting about it, guys, is that I made fun of him forever because we would come back from a commercial on Sundays. Steve started this seventh inning toss down thing. So right. He and I started it, and Mark Gard, our broadcasting director, almost exclusively had me on radio with Steve on Sundays be- just because of that special toss-down mainly. And it was, so we had a, a real good, I thought, uh, thing going for these Sundays. But I, I would tell him, I said, you know, you're, you're unbelievable because he was so excited when he would come back from, we would come back from a uh, commercial break after the top of the first inning. I know with Steve, the first inning or two to step out. Like Steve, he, mm. he's taken out of the commercial break. Bob and John, they just wait for me or Joe to, to – but Steve, man, he's got that mic. He's ready to go. He's got all of this stuff <laughs> written down. Sunday, he loves this afternoon baseball. Good mm. pitching matchup. He's got Trevor Williams on the mound. And so I, I know that Trevor is going to do this in honor of him. He doesn't, of course. I thought this is going to be great because Steve's going to be into this and he's going to be – looking down at Trevor, talking about, we come back from a commercial, and he is looking down at his 
scorecard. He's writing some things down. And there's like two or three or four or five seconds of silence, just crowd noise. I'm looking over at him. He's looking, not paying no attention. I said, well, so I took it out, which is I never do. I never mm-hmm. take it out at the bottom of the first thing, but I did it, went through the whole thing. He's still got his head down. And now Trevor's finishing up his warm-ups. And I'm, st- I'm looking over at him going, is he going to watch this game? <laughs> right. And uh, so I, at one point I had to say, well, now Trevor Williams finishes up his final warm-up. And now let's see, Steve, what is he going to do here? And he's like, <laughs> oh, I remember. You know, like, well, right. what do you mean? What is he going to do here? What is he gonna do? Uh, I said, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. what I don't know why I said this, but it'll, right. it'll be interesting to see what he does here. He's going to throw a damn baseball. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. <laughs> so, that's, so now Steve starts to pay attention. And I describe, wow, wait a second. Trevor Williams is stepping off the back of the mound. And Steve, what is he doing? He is doffing his cap. He's looking up to the TV or the radio booth at you. And that mm-hmm. just, he just, he couldn't believe it. It just broke him up. You and, did that so well. Yeah. Well, that, your, thank you. That, your that, credit. And that, I know that was all for Steve, but. Well, it was the top of the first. I'm mistaken. It was the top of the first at the beginning. And then in the bottom of the first, thank you, Andy and John. Thanks for saying mm-hmm. that. But in the bottom of the first, same thing. Steve didn't take it out. And I knew that Frazier and Newman were going to both not take off their helmet, just kind of doff it and, and salute them. And uh, so the same thing occurred, kind of describing it. And just blew, and, and what was really cool, too, is that um, – and I'm going to say something to Joey Votto because Joey Votto, I happened to notice during this whole thing because once, once uh, Newman – was it no, I'm sorry. When Trevor did it, when Trevor did that, Votto is on deck. And so everybody's like – applauded a standing ovation and the the rest of the pirate players kind of off to, you know salute him as well take off their caps mm-hmm. but Vado on deck for the Reds looked up and did the same thing Vado appreciates the history he knows mm-hmm. what Steve means to the city and the game and I thought that was a cool classy touch but yeah it was just it was incredible and because the Reds also uh, yeah of all teams <clears throat> and right? and but also the Reds uh play by play announcer I believe retired Marty Brenneman and he did right. not go to that Game. That was not intentional, but it worked out great because Marty had decided he was going to make one trip to Pittsburgh of the three trips the Reds made. It was their first trip. And so he and Steve, I actually did kind of an interview with both of them. Uh, that, and it was interesting, too, by the way, when Steve retired over the winter and they announced it, the very next day, Marty announced his retirement. Hmm. So it, it was cool. That, that Your point, Andy, that they that they have that uh, in common. And, again, the the rivalry that – the, the Pirates had with the big red machine in the 70s that Steve was so much a part of mm-hmm. is also cool. Well, the, the great thing about baseball is no matter how much you want to, for lack of a better word, hate or dislike a team, you still have respect. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I, you always, I always hear you talking about Joey Votto and how much he loves the game. And as much as I hate it when he hits a home run against us or, you know, he's a pirate killer sometimes, you st- you got to respect or the guy. Or what he does in the box. It's weird. Some of the stuff he does is really weird. Yeah. And, and kind of irritates makes, you a little bit. And that's what makes baseball <laughs> yeah. the best sport. I agree. In my opinion. I'm, I I'm sorry. I, I'm a Baseball's my favorite sport. So. No, I love all the sports, too, but it's okay to have a favorite. And, you know, I, I, baseball's my, my favorite. The others are close, but, but baseball's my favorite. Um, for, for all these reasons we're talking about, the history, right. the, uh, the nostalgia, the, the, the moments that, that happen, like th- those three games – at the end of 2019, for those who either saw it on TV, I cannot begin to tell you. I don't know what the ratings show. In fact, I will throw them away <laughs> because I cannot tell you. 
I mean, I'm talking playoff games in 13, 14, 15. So many people have said to me they saw it or heard it, those three games. Yeah. It is unreal. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of them. I, I, I typically I can't don't believe w- how many people yeah, heard and saw it. I'm typically not a, like a daily, you know, Re- I'm not right, a regular watcher. Yeah, yeah. watcher. But, you know, when I heard after, you know, meeting you, of course, I've been paying more attention. But also, you know, I had to see this, you know. And I remember they actually cut the commercial – close to the end of Friday night's game, and I'm, like, struggling to try to find, like, the radio broadcast or somehow, like, to try to get them both in sync somehow because I was, like, all of a sudden they, they cut it off, and I'm like, oh, no. I want to hear it. Yeah, you yeah. got to hear it, yeah, because, I mean, to see someone like that, you know, a, a Pittsburgh legend, you know, to, to uh, you know, to have his, like, kind of, you know, final curtain call, you know, for, the you know, being in the Pirates organization as, like, a prime member. You 60 know? years. 60 years, and I, yeah. And I, I remember I was, at, like I said, my other job, and I we were busy. Mm-hmm. And I said, I need to leave for a second. And I just right. left and sat in my car and listened because mm-hmm. I knew there was going to be something. And I just listened to Steve do his little last soliloquy. On Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's so Sunday. cool. See, and, those was... sto- and again, I mean, these, those are the stories. Just that right. is so cool to hear. Right. Uh, and how many people have those stories? And again, I'll tell you how many people came up to me. How many people said they cried? Mm-hmm. I cried. I mean, I, I teared up. It was it, it was truly remarkable. I didn't um, think it was going to happen. But I'll tell you one of the, and and I don't know if I still have the videos. I probably don't anymore. I'd show the Blast them. Chronicles. Well, that <laughs> that, but but there were some couple of them, and I should talk to our IT guy. But I actually recorded. Like I knew Trevor, so as I'm doing the game broadcast, I'm recording on my phone. Trevor, stepping off the mound, right. and then Steve, and it's really cool. That I is, did the yeah. same thing with Newman. And uh, and after the Williams moment, Bob Walk left the TV booth and came next door, and he and Steve embraced. Right. And I did that. I probably shouldn't have, but I did. I didn't publicize it. Right. right. But the two of them are sobbing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah. Well, that's ba- incredibly it's baseball history. Oh, yeah. It is. That's it's baseball. It, yeah. Everything it about base. I yeah. mean, that's what makes baseball. It is. So fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lou Gehrig announcing his retirement, Babe Ruth announcing his retirement. Right. You know, everything that happens in baseball, you, you're so invested in these people. And that Steve has been a the voice that I've heard my yep. entire life mm-hmm. listening to games. And the fact that he's gone now yep. is, I mean, you know, it was his he'll be, he'll be around the ballpark, but for him not to be on the air is going to be very, very difficult. And how was that for you? I mean, I, I know you're excited. For well, the new I, opportunities, uh, but. for for I, I knew well. Uh, and I've told you guys this again. Stop me if I if I did because I don't know if I mentioned this to you on our first podcast. But about three years prior, he called me over the winter, and we get together on occasion. We talk a lot, but rarely does he call and say, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Do you want to get together at Chapinos?" <laughs> no, because we we would smoke cigars mm-hmm. uh, before games. Uh, and and over the off season, if we we had a chance to stop somewhere, but that was odd. He goes, I just we'll have a couple drinks and a and a cigar. So we went there and uh, we're sitting there. You know, Chapinos is on the in the strip, mm-hmm. and um, as he's talking, I could tell something was on his mind. We had a glass of wine, and finally I said, "What's up?" And he stopped. He goes, "Well, I've decided I'm going to retire." I said, really. He goes, yeah, and he went through the his reasons. And I said, you do what you want to do. I don't think you, you don't just so you know you're not slipping. You don't have to. 
but for your reasons, his, his wife has some health issues, and he wanted to travel and, and uh, be with his grandkids and his two sons. And I said, you know, more power to you, but I just want you to know you don't shouldn't do that for any other reason other than those you just gave me, not because you feel like, he goes, well, sometimes I think my mind wanders. Well, heck, everybody's well, mind our, wanders. Our, 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 yeah. our team has not been real good the last you know, couple of years, so on. So about three days later, he calls, he goes, I'm coming back. I'm not retiring. <laughs> so now, so but he had that in his mind, and and uh, knowing him as well as I do, I could still tell it was still wearing on him. Mm. Uh, just the, the the grind of the even only he does home games. So but but still, he's not able to be home all the time with Karen and do the things he wants to do. Right. And so now, one winter, you know, to the, going into the 2019 season, he says, "I'm going to do one more year." But the Pirates want me to wanted me to tell them a year in advance so they could properly say goodbye. I said, that's a smart thing to do. And I knew right then and there he was comfortable then with that. He was way more comfortable with that decision. He knew it was the right time. I did too. Mm. Uh, just he was ready. And uh, just the fact that the Pirates did it as cla- – the, the 60 logo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It started in spring training. We're at LECOM, wow. the former hey. McKechnie. They did the, 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 the press box. You're going to be broadcasting in the Steve – Blast right. booth. This yes, the Steve Blast radio booth. Just everything that touched wow. him. Yeah. Just all o- along the way, the great ride that he was able to take, the, the kind of the farewell tour. Just, I, I just, it couldn't have been uh, more perfect. Nobody gets to do that. Not, not a lot of people get to do that. No, and, not and a lot of people to your get point, to Andy is and John that that baseball, because of its pace, because of the way it's played, because it's played every day allows you those opportunities the other sports don't. Right. And that's the great thing about well, another great thing about and, the game. And I think that's why I connect with you and John and Bob and Steve is because of the pace of baseball. I I, I love Bill Hillgrove and I love Mike Lang and I love listening to them, but it's constant. I get to hear you guys tell stories. And yeah. I, I get a little bit more of I know you. Even though I don't, more of an emotional attachment, I would right. think, because you do get to and because we're there every night with you. I mean, yeah, I mean it's sixteen every weeks single night with football. It's, it's hundred, yeah, and, and it's it's thirty spring training games in addition right. to one hundred sixty-two baseball <laughs> wow. games. So it's a, <laughs> yeah. we are there every year. I had people at Pirate Fest the other day saying, "I miss hearing you guys. I just miss it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear you guys again." And I know the feeling because I grew up the same way. I couldn't wait to that first spring training game, the meaningless spring training game, because. When I heard Lanny for Terry and Milo Hamilton, that warmed my heart. Mm -hmm. I knew baseball was coming. Spring was coming. I was able to go to some games again. And being out, no matter what you feel about the Pirates as a, as a team on the field, that feeling you have in February where you, there's snow coming down and you turn on the radio and and you hear baseball, Mm -hmm. you hear Greg Brown or Lanny for Terry or Bob Prince, whoever it is. That gives you that sense of okay, yeah, it's going to be soon. Coming. Yeah, that's and right. it's, it's just baseball season. It, is it just makes us. it so much better. Hope springs than, eternal. That's yeah. right. That's right. Do you want to do some of the? Um, yeah, I'm so, sorry. So I, yeah, I, yeah. So you got some. You got some Pittsburgh. I got some Pittsburgh trivia. Pittsburgh baseball trivia for both of you. Oh, good, okay, good, good. For both of you, because uh, some of these aren't that easy, but some of them might be. Now, should we ring in? <laughs> right. <laughs> no. If we know the answer, no. I'll just be wrong. <laughs> no, no, I'll be wrong. Well, ready for this one. Uh, which stadium in Pittsburgh costs more to build, PNC Park or Heinz Field? You're gonna. Is I that, would is say that the, PNC uh, Park. Is that the buzzer? No, that was just me thinking. 
Okay, I'll, go ahead. You're I would say PNC Park. Park. PNC Park. Is wow, great. I see. I would have said Heinz. So. Two hundred and seventy million dollars. <laughs> what, what was Heinz? Two hundred and sixty-one million. Wow, holy yeah. cow! I mean, no C- offense. Ketchup slow. You know, it flows slower. Sure, know, sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, Heinz Field. P- PNC Park's the most beautiful baseball park and and the most beautiful sports complex. So right, it is hard right. to make a football stadium or a hockey arena intimate and uh, have any much character same yeah. thing with like indoor like miller park and right Minute right. made i mean it, it's really hard to make uh to make it unique so in, in 1960 the the pirates did like a kind of a exposition game against the steelers okay for one night only um which is a pretty interesting play but what who is the only person to play for both the pirates and the steelers <laughs> yeah Oh, no, I know this answer because he was a teammate of Steve Blasis. I was going to say 1964, Vince 1964. Oh, my gosh. He was an outfielder. Yeah. Oh, a man. running back with the Steelers in 1960. Yeah. Rex Johnson. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He would kill me if I <laughs> – he will. I'll tell him I missed that trivia question. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, did the Pirates win or lose their first game at PNC Park? They lost. Well, they I'm sorry, did. Greg Whitman. They did. Yeah, Reds. Uh, the Reds. Eight to two. Well, what April about the, the Mets? The exhibition game. Did they win or lose that game? Uh, the, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. Didn't yes, um, yes you didn't got me. Piazza Homer, didn't he? I was gonna say. Uh, I believe so. Sean Casey, I think, had a. He did for the oh, Reds, yeah. but they opened oh, up my. against the Mets. Right. Exhibition game. So uh, a, a baseball fan sitting in the last row behind home plate at PNC Park is how far from home plate? I'll say 90 feet. I was going to say the same Very thing. close. Very, 88 feet. Wow. Yeah, three rivers by comparison was 132. Oh, I was going to say, oh, my gosh, almost <laughs> twice as far. That's right. That's wow. right. Uh, the right field wall at PNC Park. 21 feet. Okay. All right. Well, there you, you got that I've one. Got, I've, got, I've oh. got a little. Okay. Rumor has it. Now, this would be something for you to right, do right. someday. There's a rumor that it's either just short or just a little bit longer than 21 feet. Ooh. How about that? Interesting. I'll get my ruler We're going to have to give yeah. it to Greg on this one. <laughs> exactly. I will. I will trust your opinion. Just yes. a rumor. How far from the home plate to the Allegheny River at PNC Park? Oh, my gosh. That's good. 450? 443 and 4 inches. There you go. You're okay. pretty. You're pretty. Uh, you're very guess, close. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we're we'll, not doing prices right rules. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, what kind of grass is on PNC? Oh, Park? that's Kentucky bluegrass. That's right. Good old Kentucky bluegrass. Who was the only president to be in attendance to a Pirates baseball game? At a Pirate baseball game in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. Oh. Well, no. Well, I guess it would be in Washington because it well, that kind of gives it away a little bit. It Jimmy was 1925. Carter. Oh, because Jimmy Taft. Carter. Oh, not Taft. Jimmy Carter was there in Game 7 of the 79 World Series. Correct. Correct. So Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge. You were right before. William, the big old, good William old Howard William Howard. You said 1925. Ta- well, no, well, yeah, I'm talking about the 1909 World Series. Oh, oh. Yes, oh. sorry. 1925, Wait. I'm thinking. But uh, that probably could have been Coolidge, I guess. Well, 1925 so, right. would yeah. have been. So was Taft at, at the World Series? Yeah. Wow, I didn't yeah, know. There's that. a photograph that it, that he appears on. They yeah, even he's published throwing it. Throwing the yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's um, cool. We I wonder went. if that was the first World Series a president ever attended. Then had to be, right? Well, I think I it might have been Teddy. I think, think Teddy went to a, a World Series. Maybe 1908 or okay. 1907. But I'm not that. positive. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. Um, only three pirates have hit 30 or more home runs in three consecutive seasons. Name the three pirates. Well, you know Willie. 
Ralph Kiner. Oh. You know Willie. That's right. That's two of them. It had to be Brian Giles. You're right. right? <laughs> there you go. Uh, that was great. Yeah. That's that was true. That that's, that's short a combined. Of a list. That's a combined. Uh, yeah, assist. There. But um, was it Ralph Kiner? It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, and Willie Stargell and, and Brian Giles. Yeah. Um, so we talked about no hitters. You know, in Pittsburgh, it does have a, a few in the books. How many were thrown at Forbes Field? And we were at Forbes Field for a while. You know, think about that. Is this a trick question? Nineteen. It is a trick question. None. None. Whoa, that's unbelievable. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. None. Um, wow. That's because anytime somebody was about to catch a fly ball, they ran into the light post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, that's they right. They light post in front of the, yeah. the, the flagpole flag in center yeah. field. Now, we all love, you know, Roberto Clemente and uh, his number 21. What was his original number? Higher than 21? Lower. Um. Do you know Andy? I don't. Is this when uh, he was with Puerto Rico or the Dodgers? No, when he first joined the Pirates. Uh, 11? Lucky number 13. Wow. Yeah, how about that? Wow, that's a good one. Um, which Pirates pitcher is the team career leading leader in innings pitched, losses, strikeouts, and walks? That's got to be Bob Friend. You're right. Uh. Bob Friend, yeah. Um so, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame comes out in 1936. They only allow five people come in, right? Who among them, in Pirates Legends, was in the first class of the Hall of Fame? Honest Wagner. Honest Wagner, Honest Wagner yeah. I mean, he his career stats, if you study, like, Honest Wagner, and he was absolutely incredible. It was a different game. It's kind of, you know, what do you think about that do you, when you think about old-time records? Things like 30 triples in one game. Now, things that obviously are impossible to beat, but like a player – that's why it's so hard, you know, to, versus a player today. That's why it's so hard yeah. to judge. Um, you know, you, you can only go on 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 the numbers. Um, although, yeah. as stories have been passed down, uh, Phil Coyne, who's a hundred years old, a, a right. longtime usher at the Forbes and Three Rivers and PNC Park, saw Hannes Wagner play, and he'll tell you uh, he was the best he ever saw. But the the numbers were so, by comparison of the other players of his era, yeah. so much better. Uh, oh, yeah. He and Cobb and maybe a handful of others. But so um, I think that's how you have to judge these guys based on the players they're playing against, right? Right. Of that era. Yeah. I think. That's a great way to look at it. It is. I never yeah. thought about that before. It's kind of right. like the Einstein. What's relative? Right. Yes. Compare, you know, yeah. Bonds and McGuire. I mean, well, put it they pers- great? But put it in perspective, 1909, we played the Detroit Tigers. Who's the leader of that team? Ty Cobb. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> right. And Cobb versus Wagner. We beat them. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. just tell you everything you need to know about yeah, Oz yeah. Wagner. Well, it's always nice whenever a racist gets beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, what famous, infamous Pittsburgh Pirate pitched a no hitter while high on LSD? Well, rumor, again, because <laughs> right. Steve Lass will say he doesn't believe it because that was Doc Ellis. Was lo- what looked oh, for. Yeah. Doc always looked for the story. He looked looked to be far out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, literally, I guess. But, yeah, um, literally. Uh, so Steve and others think that he just made it up. Threw that yeah. out there. And yeah. So yeah, people believe it. And it's a great, uh, again, a great baseball story. That is, yeah. Yeah. It's a great, uh, those legendary stories. You know, you, like you don't know if it's true or not. Exactly. You know, it's kind of the like legends. The legends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Uh, Legend has it. A legend. Did Babe Ruth really point right, his shot? Right, exactly. Well, right. Did he? Did he not? But there is one thing that Babe Ruth did do here in Pittsburgh. And that was what? 
Hit his last three homers of his career here. That's right. In the same game. That's right. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think like, you know, you, people don't realize that Babe Ruth, you know, was here. I mean, it's like, what do you think about baseball history? Um, you, you must assume that the greats have all been through here or played here or against here or whatever, or had an opinion about Pittsburgh. Um, they did. <laughs> you I mean, know, it's the truth. All the greatest. The greatest of the greats have all come through Pittsburgh. At Babe one Ruth time said, another. great cigars, great women, and great booze. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Apparently, all three, did all three clear the roof at uh, Forbes? I think all three did. Yeah, all three. All three did, and the, uh, the, the the trivia here is uh, May 25th, 1935. Three home runs, lost one. Braves. Was the 714th of his career went over the right field roof. Okay, there you are. No one ever found the ball. Yeah. Can you uh, imagine? Now, the 714th was not found? Oh, no, the, wait. The no seven... one has ever done that before at no, Forbes right. Field. And, and, but the ball, yeah. Because the, the 713th then was found. Somewhere. Yeah, and bounced onto a porch right. because... I was at Cooperstown about three years ago with my son, and they gave us this, what they call the white glove tour, where right. literally a, a curator puts white gloves on and takes you right. into a vault and takes out uh, some memorabilia and some historic items that aren't necessarily on display, and he brings out this baseball. You have to wear white gloves, too, right. and he hands it to my son, and he says, guess what that is? I don't know. He goes, that's Babe Ruth. Must have been second last home run then. Wow. 713. Wow. That he hit at Forbes Field. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so, that's amazing. Now, is this something anybody can do, or do you have to go, you know who I am? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I don't. I really don't. I don't know. I really don't. You, you probably, uh, my guess is that if you, you uh, booked it far enough in advance, you could probably get it done. Can you name the first, um, what pitchers the Pirates great Roberto Clemente hit his first home, uh, first hit and his last 3,000th hit? Who were the two pitchers? Um, Sandy Koufax. No, his first name. one was Brooklyn Dodgers. Okay, that's why I said. Oh my gosh! Can you give me initials? JP. Uh, oh, oh my gosh! Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, uh, it would have been 1956. Yeah, oh, I can't believe yeah, it. Okay. Johnny Padres. Wow. Yes. And then the <laughs> yeah. the, Very the, good. the last one, the three thousand, was um, uh. uh JM. Pete Rose or, or, or John Matlack is yeah, the yeah yeah wow. um, the reason I say Pete Rose is because a buddy of mine who used to work at the Pirates mm-hmm. was into this kind of thing and he got Pete Rose to sign a baseball and he got the the Pete, the first hit the pitcher he got his first hit off of his one thousand two thousand three thousand four thousandth hit off of and had them all sign and he donated wow. it to uh, Cooperstown wow. That's incredible. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. By the way, the interesting about the Ruth trivia question is people w- might wonder how was Babe Ruth playing in Pittsburgh, a Yankee great. Right. They didn't have interleague play then. Right, right. But he was with the National League Boston Braves at the end of his career. Right. Isn't that right. crazy how he started? Didn't he, he started with the Boston Red Sox. Yes, yep. that's right. And then went to the yep. Yankees. Yankees. The, they played us you know, in 27, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then Horribly we got beat us. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about that. Um, but then, you know, he spends all this time with the Yankees and then goes back to Boston. As mm-hmm. a as a yeah. PR ploy, they tried to fill the seats with an aging Babe Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'd he retired I'd, I'd like, uh, by the way, <laughs> after those three home runs, he retired like a week later. Yeah. And then he he didn't, I think he. I don't think he lasted much longer. That much longer, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he That's wanted. To, he was hoping to manage uh, the Yankees, or the, the, apparently they had told him that he's got a good chance of being their manager, and obviously right, it didn't right. work out. Okay, last question. Okay, because there's lots in here, but we got to end it with a good Forbes Field question. How far was it down left field? How far was it down right field? And what was the deepest center of center field? Well, I think that was 457. 462. Oh. Did you believe that? I always thought it was 457, too. You 462. Know? I because, of, well, because of math. There's that, you know. Wasn't there that notch? Or am I thinking okay, of PNC so, Park? So 462. 462. Um, right field, left field. Oh, my gosh. Think about which I'll one say, was longer. Well, left field, left field was, was longer. longer. Okay. Left field was right. like 380. Well, how many days are in a year? 360. There you well, go. <laughs> I don't know, but 300. So it was a weird shape. Was right well, field. 300 and right, but right. they had a apparently a big screen, mm-hmm. a tall screen to take back some home runs because, uh, oh, uh, Dreyfus, I think it was Barney Dreyfus felt, you may have read this already, John, that Dreyfus, didn't, he thought there were too many home runs were being hit, right. and he put that up. And, of course, the Pirates acquired Hank Greenberg one year, mm-hmm. and they that uh, that, that wall in left field, they shortened, they put a, like a chicken wire fence right, right. in left so he would hit more home runs. And I think he only lasted one year. Well, and then Kiner came. They kept it up there right. and called it Kiner's Corner. So well, it went from Greenberg Gardens to Kiner's Corner. Right. Well, I mean, it's hard to believe that even back in the day. At Forbes Field, people, well, it was, or was it Exposition? I guess it would be Exposition Park. That the, the, the infield was, or the, was so, the outfield was so deep. That fans could just sit and like pick. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. It's funny to see those those pictures. Yeah, because they're out like, there in the field of play. Well, that shows oh. goes to show you about the dead ball era. Right, you know? right. Like that ball wasn't gonna. Right. I mean, maybe, but you know, yeah. not, really wasn't gonna go that far. Yeah. You know? Well, that's one of the my favorite things about baseball as well, is that the teams design their outfield. There's if you go to a right. say you go to a Steeler game, and at the twenty yard line, you know they go. Well, you know, we're going to pull a little hill here. Yeah. And then <laughs> at the uh, 30-yard line, we're going to do a little, little ditch. Like, yeah. it's a golf course. <laughs> like, and, and we're going to make it 125 yards. This yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. At Minute Maid Park, you used to run up. You used to have to run right. up a hill yeah. to catch up fly ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which they did, which was a tribute <laughs> yeah. to the old Crosley Field in Cincinnati. But uh, the fact that you're Tal's allowed hill. to do that. I know. It's crazy. It's fantastic. Yeah, it and yeah. then, like, there's the, you know, the left field notch. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? The Allegheny Notch. In uh, PNC Park? Yeah. Well, uh, Steve called it the North Side Notch. The North Side <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the and North just, Shore Notch, whatever. Yeah. Right. That's. Yeah. It's wild. There's nothing is, like it. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. But, uh, Greg, I know we you got to get going here, but tell us about the future here. We, we you know, we talked about how Steve is gone and um, enjoying his retirement, but you... We were waiting for a replacement, but we got three. <laughs> Can't fill Steve's shoes, right? No. With one guy. Yeah, we're looking forward to Michael McHenry, uh, Matt Caps, Kevin Young. Michael was a former catcher of the Pirates. Caps, a former closer. Kevin Young, great first baseman. And so they'll uh, kind of split their duties. I think John will do a few more home games than he has in the past. And uh, they'll they'll put a schedule together and, and uh, see how it goes. I think, you know, everybody's going to have fun. We. I tweeted out the fact that if you think about our analysts now in the broadcast booth, we have a starting pitcher, a closer, a utility man, a catcher, and a first baseman. So we have just about everything covered. Mm-hmm. Different perspectives from each, and it's and the each guy is as nice as the the last, um, which is a, makes it a lot more fun. 
when you have guys that are good guys and they check their egos at the door and uh, they're going to fit in great. It's going to be way different. People have been asking me about what it's going to be like without Steve and how tough has it been. Well, it really hasn't been tough at all because there's been no difference yet. For me, it will be different in spring training when he's not doing a bunch of games with us and then certainly uh, during the regular season when he's not doing uh, any games at all in the broadcast booth. But uh, he's, we've already talked uh, the other day about how he'd like to go on a road trip. So <laughs> he and I are going to drive down to Fort Myers together nice. to do a, you know, he's going to sit and watch the game mm-hmm. uh, from the stands and, and uh, then we'll drive back and, and share some laughs. But it is going to be very different, but it'll be a great challenge. And um, I'm looking forward to Derek Shelton. I'm really looking forward to, to uh, having him manage this year. I think the players are as well. It's going to be, a much more relaxed uh, atmosphere in that clubhouse. I think it was needed. Mm. And um, you can already tell they're enjoying what they're hearing and seeing from the new manager. That's great. And new president, who's a former Penguin executive. Yeah, who kind of, right. you know, uh, and, and I use this dis- disclaimer all the time that, that when you, you're, you're talking about these guys, this is uh, with no disrespect to the guys that were here before. Um, great guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was time for a change. And Travis Williams, uh, the new president, uh, you mentioned being the, the president of the uh, Penguins for a while, kind of gets it. He knows the, the, the base. He knows uh, the movers and the shakers, has great relationships with everyone. And uh, Ben Sherrington is is not a, like a fly-by-night GM. It's not like they just, well, let's give this guy a shot. Yeah, that guy has a, a proven, ring. Yeah, right. he's, got a, he's a proven general manager and I, I keep going back to people uh, again uh, time and time again you, you don't think Bob Nutting cares about winning look what he just did you know he mm-hmm. ate 17 million dollars he brings in new Travis Williams a proven guy in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. with a track record with the Penguins he brings in a general manager and uh, those guys didn't come cheap so he obviously he wants to win. And when you say he oh, yeah. ate seventeen million, you mean with the contracts that were still left on the people that were still yeah there the, before the, the, the GM, the the president, the uh, the, the manager, a couple coaches. I mean, yeah. If he didn't care about winning, then why would he do that? Mm-hmm. There's no I, other explanation, in my opinion. And I, I get the frustration. I get people saying that you know I'm an employee, which is factual. I I believe that I would. I may not criticize because I'm an employee, but I think I would say nothing rather than speak so highly of these guys. If I didn't believe that, I would just keep my mouth shut. But I do believe, having met them and looking at their track record, that they're and, I, and talking to the players, that I believe there is a difference. Mm-hmm. You and can I, hear it at Pirate Fest, and I apologize. Yeah. For no, 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 you're you, right. But you're right. You, you could hear. Yep. Uh, Chris Mack was on and talking about how. He was talking to Kevin Newman and Adam Frazier and how excited they are and and Josh Bell and then you were on and how they don't basically talk about the past, but they just say it was a breath of fresh air. Right. And there was so much going on in the locker room last season, which oh, yeah. is not out of their control. I mean, everything that happened. But Well, and, and, and much of last summer, I would debate with guys on the air uh, at 93.7 The Fan. Uh, they would ask, uh, I do a weekly thing uh, with um, Andrew and Chris Muller. And uh, they were saying, you know, they, do I see changes? Because I got the impression they didn't think it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because, again, 
Bob Nutting's not going to just eat, as it turns out, $17 million. And I said, I guarantee you something big, something I believe, I might have used the word seismic, will happen. I didn't know exactly what. In fact, way more than I thought. But the point is that people didn't believe that Bob Nutting would take that step because he, quote, didn't care. Well, those same people are now saying, well, now let's see what he, again, mm-hmm. and I understand too, by the way, the proof is in the pudding. Show me the wins. That's what it always comes down to. doesn't matter how much you spend, win ball games. You have to start somewhere. Right. Win ball games. And That's the, all that matters. The same people were talking about in 14 and 15. Right. And it became hey, you just gotta, you gotta seeing have the faith. that people certainly care. They want to win, as do I. We've talk, I know we talked about this in our last uh, first podcast about how, you know, you want to win, but, John, you mentioned it, you're still a fan. And right. you root for your right. team. Uh, come hacker high water, and uh, and that's what it all comes down to, just being a fan and enjoying the game. Right. Hey, go to ask for anything better. I mean, right. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's what makes Pittsburgh Pittsburgh, too. Yeah, what, any true sports fan. You know? Well, I mean, that's, yeah. what's, that's what baseball's about. It's the summertime. You go right. outside, you go to the game, you listen, you, you take your kids, you eat some popcorn, even if the team's not doing so well. That's right. You know, just go, you go hang out, you know. <laughs> exactly. And add it to the pages of history because – as you, the historian, know, John, like you can still look back fondly at going back to the 1950s. I wasn't around, but mm-hmm. but taking a look at the chronicles of those years, the, the maybe the Bob, the the Ricky Dinks, as they called them, mm-hmm. uh, named after Branch Ricky was the general manager, right, right. and they were so bad, but they had characters and they still had some yeah. memorable players and moments. And Ralph Kiner, even though the team was terrible, people still to this day who were around long enough talk about when they went to. Forbes Field to see Ralph Kiner play yeah, on yeah. terrible teams. Oh, so yeah. not that you're rooting for terrible teams, but th- those moments still exist. They still happen, mm-hmm. win or lose. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's amazing. You know, now I could go on all night long talking baseball with you. You know. Yeah, we could go another three or four hours. <laughs> minimum, <laughs> minimum, you know. We t- um, I told you you'd be here an hour, and it's already been an hour and 40 minutes. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. Well, that t- shows you that you got two really good hosts right here. Yeah, well, thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, I'd love to do one once the season kicks off. And I can't wait till everybody tells us we're a bunch of shills for the Pirates. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. fun. Yeah. And you know what I say? You're darn right I am. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. You know, Bob Prince was a shill for the Pirates. There you go. He admitted it. He was happy about it. And that's what a fan is. That's right. So you're darn right. I'll wear, wear that proudly. That's right. Well, we end every show. With a saying, uh, you oh, he knows, with, and you might know, yeah, of course. That's it, Fort Pitt. Raise the Jolly Roger and open the window, Aunt Minnie. Whoop! She never made it.